Alright, hi everybody. Welcome back to our So Far So Good at Home version. This is uh, probably tuning in with us now. If you are watching from Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, you are live with us. And uh, once again, my name is Melvin Lim, co-founder of Probably Invest. I have uh, George with me today. Hi, George. Hi, everyone. George here. Nice to e-meet you guys. Alright. How's, how's things uh, going for you, George? Yeah, I think uh, right now it is uh, it is definitely a difficult time for all of us, you know, working from home. But I think this is also a very good chance for all of us you know, to uh, reorganize ourselves and you know plan the next phase forward. So that you know, once um, the circuit breaker is over, which I believe um, a lot of business owners and you know um, a lot of people are waiting for this period to be over, and then you know, we can't wait to get back into the market and you know, continue to serve our clients and to continuously adding value to all of them. Yep. All right. Yeah, so George has uh, joined the PRB team um, early this year, right? And uh, yep. I invited him to, to come on with us today. We have a special guest. And uh, if you're first time tuning in with us at So Far So Good Live, what we do is that we bring on board business owners, bring on board industry experts, and then we chat with them. Uh, about their business, about their point of views, as well as to to talk about property and stuff like that, right? So, um, George, you want to talk a little about our guest today? Yeah, sure. So, uh, Pei Ling, she's actually the founder of uh, Sale Playhouse. So, um, I think later on, probably you can get her to share a bit more about Sale Playhouse. But I think in a nutshell, Sale Playhouse is actually a preschool that offers an inclusive um school for everyone so uh, i think later on we'll get her to share i think if anyone have any questions you know to ask Payling and even uh, melvin and myself i think feel free to drop a message in a q a session later and uh, a little bit more background for Payling. so Payling um, still playhouse is actually situated at gambas so it is a three-story um, playhouse so um the playhouse is huge. I think um, not very often we see a playhouse to be located in a three-story uh, inclusive area. I think within the compound, they have they have a lot of um, areas. Uh, well, I'm not too sure. I'm not the owner, so um, you know, I'm paying to share more with everyone. And I think today's session is also to you know give everyone a, a heads up on what kind of blind spots to observe. You know, as a new business owner, because. I think if you're all new, there's a lot of things that we don't know what to look out for and you know, there's a lot of blind spots. So I think it'd be good for someone that has already gone through the path to share with everyone. Yeah, I indeed. Think, I think um, business owners are the best people to, to chat with because every business owner needs um, um, typically a, a place to operate. I mean, if you're running yeah. a more brick and mortar kind of business, you need to definitely rent a place or you need to own a place. And uh, all right, I think... Um, why don't we bring our guest uh, to the show? Sure. Hello. Hi, hi Pinning. Hello, hi, Pinning. Hi, hi, how are you today? Hi, I'm good, good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, how's uh, everything um, at home since the circuit breaker? So, um, so far, so good. Uh, for us, I think we are quite lucky. We are considered essential business, so uh, haven't been hit by it that much. We are still operating and we still go about our work, like our daily work as usual. That's mm, Yeah. Right. We still so, do so our online. Got, right. Has, has things gotten more busy for you? 
actually no uh, i'm kind of enjoying like taking the step back uh we are doing some planning uh staff training on that as well i see all right and um i, I believe your, your playhouse um also have to observe safe distancing measures and stuff like that yeah yeah we do right so we are preparing for yeah. a school reopening uh soon okay and and how, how does the the new um so-called second june phase um take into play for for your for your center uh, there's a phase reopening, so uh, class by class they actually open, and then uh, we will slowly take um take measures to see whether like uh, opening will cause any uh like disruptions or yeah. So I think the government is also trying to control things. So we are we are bringing things back bit by bit. Okay, all right. So just now we have introduced you a little bit to our to our guests, um, yeah. and um. Peiling actually runs um, Sale Playhouse for the past two years, am I right? Yes, yes. Right, why don't you give our audience a, a little bit of a hit up of, of what you do and... Yeah, okay, like so uh, I actually run Sale Playhouse, so it's an inclusive preschool, meaning that we take in children from age 18 months to 6 years old, and uh, these children, um, some of them might have additional needs, lah. so uh, it could be like autism, Down syndrome, or developmental delay, and then, uh, but majority of the children are typically developing. Uh, so, uh, yeah, and then uh, as the only active business owner, so I actually run the operations as well as the business aspect as well. Right. So you founded this uh, in 2018? Yes, correct. Right. And before that, what were you doing? Uh, I've always been in the early childhood industry. So, uh, yeah, because my passion is in working with young children. And then uh, I also worked in early intervention as well. And then I also shortly got out of the industry for a while. So I actually went to the ministry to, to do some work in there. Oh, was it, was it teaching? Uh, no, so I actually worked in a ministry for social and family development. Yeah, so uh, we, uh, I wanted to see a bit more uh, behind the policies that were going into like, um, like your preschools and like family development and all that. Right. And and I was reading a bit about the, the inclusive education model for hmm. uh, preschool and kindergartens. And I saw something that like only came into, into play in 2017, right? Yes, correct. So uh, actually, the first one was kindergarten. So they actually kick-started. And I think that was when we uh, Singapore kind of started to realize that this could be possible in Singapore. But then I think still there are quite a bit of challenges. Uh. So in Singapore context, you know, we are very academically driven. So mm. um, naturally, like people get worried when we talk about putting children with additional needs together with the typically developing children. Um, we worry like whether it will impact their learning and whether like we, we kind of don't want to rock the boat. Uh. So like if things mm. are going well now, we try not to introduce things that will rock the boat and potentially cause them to not be ready for primary school in that sense. Right. And um, are you the second center to, to open with the inclusive model? Uh, I would say either the second or the third. So I, I do know there mm. are like one or two other schools that are inclusive. Um, mm. Yeah, but then there are other schools that like are kind of semi, like they don't set out to be inclusive, but they are quite welcoming of these children as well. So I wouldn't say like the only few, but then I think definitely one of the, the first few. I see, I see. So, so how, how, how different is your, is your setup, like have running the inclusive model and how, how do you train your, train your guys? 
how do you train your, your teachers? Uh, okay, I think first and foremost would be the curriculum as well as the environment. It uh, Definitely, we have a lot more advantage in that sense. So uh, I think you're aware our space is quite huge. So mm. that will allow us to be able to create a lot of um, areas that promote like play and uh, exploration as well as uh, meeting some of the needs. Like um, some of the children, they require a lot of space to move around uh, um some of them, like in a claustrophobic area, they might they might act out. So I think having that that leisure of space that really helps. And we have um a lot of different features, lah. So we actually have like gym room. We have um places like uh we have a loft, uh, a loft um, dramatic play area. We also mm. have um like things like sensory play, water play, all that in our school. So um in terms of that, I think it can be quite different for for other schools. Like some of the schools, uh, especially if they are like the uh, like void, uh, below void that kind of preschools that might make it difficult for them to to actually uh, replicate such a setting. Uh. So the other mm. part of it will be in terms of curriculum. Um, definitely, we do have to make it a lot more um, like concrete. So we have to um, think of different ideas to engage the children who naturally, like they're not going to sit down and listen to you. So we have to think of interesting ways to engage them and make learning more fun for them. Uh. So yeah, so these are just the the things that we try to do a bit more just to, to include the children with additional needs. Right. So uh, in terms of our staff, uh, I, I would say it's ongoing uh, training and a mm. lot of support for them. Uh, a lot of them are like not very confident to, to teach children with additional needs. Like, I think because of the lack of experience as well. So we do have ongoing training and we also have like, professionals like our interventionists, our uh, therapists who actually go in the school and they actually teach and support our teachers as well. Right. So so was it was it uh, because you um first planned to to run the inclusive educational model, which is why you were looking for a huge space? Um I would say that is not the only I mean the space we definitely needed more space because of the, like we intended for even children with physical disabilities. So those on the children, uh, the children wheelchairs, the walkers to be able to access different areas. Um, but I would say the first criteria that uh, made it so difficult to find a place was because we really, really wanted a place with outdoor area. And, you yeah. know, in Singapore, like the places with outdoor area are like bungalows and um yeah basically your, your bungalows like your landed bungalows yeah. so yeah. uh yeah to, so to find a place that was big enough and then had the outdoor space that was already a very limited pool of uh places choices, that yeah. we could yeah very limited right. choices and then um i think the other thing is when it comes to landed uh bungalows uh it's not as easy la. so because there are um there's for childcare we actually have to have this um like a URA approval to be used to use that space as a childcare unit. So not all bungalows can be converted into childcare. So yeah, I think yeah, it yeah. depends Horrible. on, yeah. So it depends on how many uh, childcare there are in that area, and then whether or not there can be one more. I think it's based on demand as well. Uh. So uh, the other thing is also for uh, bungalow units because. Um, for a space to be big enough, uh, it actually has to be multi-level. Uh, and when it's multi-level, you have things like staircase, which is not accessible as well. So, mm. and if you are actually renting a single-story bungalow, that's very um, not Limited. worth it uh, for, <laughs> yeah, because of the space. And for a, uh, for a childcare 
the space is very important because that determines mm. what is your capacity and whether or not you are going to make money la, from the the business. So yeah, yeah. what is so the arrangement now? Like in in terms uh, of the 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 square footage versus the the more capacity that you can, um, you can uh, you can host uh, your kids. Okay, so for childcare, we actually have a uh, one child has to have at least uh I think three meter squares of space. So they actually mm. calculate based on that la. So uh like an area of about maybe 10,000 square feet, we can take in about 150 to 170 kids. Right. Yeah. right. So, so now how, how many kids do you have? Uh, we actually have um, close to about 60 plus enrolled. Yeah. Mm. So, uh, yeah. So we actually, but for us, because we uh, converted a lot of the spaces to, to our play areas as well, so we don't intend to take in the full capacity. La. So for us, probably about 100 to 120. That's our target. Right. Mm. Right. So that's actually to provide more quality um, like environment to the kids rather than yes. having a lot of kids. Right. Yes, correct. So for us, we actually have a lower child-to-teacher ratio. Uh, we don't go beyond uh, one teacher to nine children uh, in our center. So for a typical childcare, uh, especially for older kids, they go, they might go up to one to twenty or one to twenty-five. Yeah. So for us, it's definitely much lower uh, Right. So so during this um just out of curiosity, during this past uh since since the start of the circuit breaker, right? Then yeah. um do do parents still bring um their kids uh to to your play school? Is it still running at full capacity or? Uh no. So we only have a few kids who come in for limited services. So these mm. are the parents who are working in essential services and they actually have right. to go to work uh, every day. Right, right. So so it's a it's a it's a smaller pool and Yes. Right. And um, maybe we want to talk a little bit about like, you know, when you when you first started to, to shortlist and hunt for the space uh, as mm. a business owner. Is this your first time running your business? Yes, yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Right. And, and okay, before okay. I talk about that, so what mm. made you um, wanted to come out to start your own business? What, what's your driving uh, force? Okay, I think for me, there were two main drivers. So I think the first thing is because uh, I'm very passionate in uh, inclusive education. So actually, um, the, the whole concept behind the school is actually to find uh, 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 how to make this work in Singapore. La. So we, we wanted to be able to develop like a concept and um, a setting where inclusive education can happen and at the same time not compromise the Singapore education uh, yeah, so the other, I mean, the other aspect of it is I I think that, like, for my personality, I, <laughs> I'm i not very suited to be an employee. I think for me, if, if I think of something, I, I want I want to be able to implement and I don't like that you going through the different layers and especially if you are working in, a, like, a corporate environment, you kind of have to depend on the vision of your company and the boss. So it's not exactly like you can do what you want and you can actually do make the changes that you want. Uh. So right. yeah, so I think so it just what, makes what, sense that do you have a name for this this type of personality? Uh not really. I, I don't consider <laughs> myself as an entrepreneur. Yeah, I would say it's just um like quite fortunately I have this opportunity to be able to open one and then at the same time, um like I was kind of at some point where I like I knew that uh, working with kids was my passion because bef before that I had this period where 
um, like, you know, when you work in this industry for a while, you kind of get jaded. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so, yeah, so I actually wanted to step out for a while to see, like, oh, if uh, working with kids all I can do. And then uh, that's when I actually went into the ministry. And then, um, yeah, I could really feel that, that dreaming, like, oh, like, <laughs> like you really, <laughs> this is not for you kind of feeling. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. and then uh, because some aspects of my job there uh, actually dealt with working with kids with additional needs as well, uh, not directly, mm. uh, but with the, the schools and all that. And then uh, that's where I felt like, oh, uh, wow, like there was energy when I was talking about this thing and when I'm talking to those people. So that's where I kind of decided that, yeah, this is where I'm going to be for like maybe the rest of my life. Yeah, so mm. that's where I decided to actually invest in a business that was, uh, to do with this um. right how about job this is actually quite on the contrary yeah like um when there are teachers or therapists that handle um that are you know um i think kids with special needs i think the most of them the comment is like oh it's very draining but i think on your on the other end for yours it's like you feel more energy <laughs> yeah i kind of like them uh like it, it makes a difference. Uh. I think for them, you really see um, your efforts um, help them to improve. Whereas I think for typical kids, like uh, even especially when I have my own daughter, um, you you can't realize that whether or not you're there, they still will learn. And like a teacher in school can help them to learn. So, and even TV, like, even like they watch Peppa Pig or something, they, they do learn something. So it's very different. Like you don't see the fruit of your labor as, as, um, obviously, as when you work with kids with additional needs, lah. Mm. Right, George. George, I want to hear from you, George. What, what, yeah. what do you, why do you want to come to the real estate industry? Right, do, think, do you have that uh, kind of personality as well? Yeah, that's a that's a very good question. So, uh, I think there do was you, a very long the, story. Do you use the Sorry. the um we we call this the death bed theory? Do you use okay. the death bed theory, like um? When I was deciding whether to come out or not, I would imagine myself lying on the deathbed. I'm going to die in the <laughs> next five minutes. Then I will ask myself, what have I regretted not doing? Do you use that, George? Uh, no. I think uh, more <laughs> importantly is also because um, for, for people that don't know, Melvin is actually my brother-in-law. So um, I've seen... Oh my goodness, why do you tell this on national TV? No, it's not, <laughs> <laughs> it's not national it's TV. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I didn't see it like hustle. Lah. So, um, yeah, I think uh, I, I kind of like the, the vision that you're setting up because uh, I think this, in this industry, is, there's still a lot of things that needs to be done, you know, to, to make it like uh, good and you know, for clients to actually like enjoy this entire property journey. So, um, to be like, you know, very transparent and conduct business with integrity is something that, um, you know, it's like a fine line. Lah. So, I think uh, the calling is that I believe that there's a lot more value that we can add to I think I, I would call this like my ikigai. La. Once I enter into this industry, it's like every day is not a Monday. Wow. So, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 read, I read the ikigai thingy about yeah. a couple of months back. Yeah, it's finding finding yeah. your ikigai. Yeah. Right. Mm. All right, all right. Great. Then how, how about how about uh Peiling? So uh when you first started two years back as as a new uh business owner, what what was the what was the the main challenge or what were the, mm. the, the top two challenges that you face at the very initial phase? Mm, I I think it's the whole like learning about this 
business aspect uh even till now like i think the struggle between like you run your operations versus you are running a business i think it's quite different so uh yeah so there are a lot of things that will shock you about the the whole like business and um the initial i think the initial period um uh, i think a lot of entrepreneurs know like it's a very lonely journey and people who don't like people who have never run it you they kind of like cannot share that that burden together with you so uh, mm. like the initial like the anxiety the fears of when you first start your business and um when is uh, like whether it will succeed or not i think that is something that um like emotionally that that was quite hard uh, for me and um i would say the uh, like the rest of the things to me is just okay you learn and you do but that emotional aspect and the the stress from all that 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 was really hard for me like and even uh, like when you have staff like your your people who are working under you it's kind of not the thing that you're going to share with them right like like mm. i don't know whether my business will make it or not <laughs> yeah you yeah. kind of will freak them out so uh, yeah so having to stay strong like for the rest of the people around you and your family or that 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 was also something that's quite quite challenging for me right so so yeah. were there any co-owners or, or you are the singular owner uh no so i do have uh shareholders but yeah mm. they are sleeping partners so i do i do run the the whole thing myself la. so even more on the lonely journey but i think that i mean i do appreciate the part that i kind of can make the decisions and i can have that freedom to to do things mm. and not have someone to argue with but at the same time like it's also missing that part that okay someone to bounce off ideas with so yeah but i think now it's it's much better because like i've uh managed to build up a team and uh yeah there are some things that I, I i can bounce off ideas from and there are people giving me input so yeah definitely in a much better place like compared to like when i first started it okay so uh share with us your your journey um just just imagine um for for our audience purpose right like mm. uh when you're planning to to rent this place you rented this mm. this this place right mm. so what what do you do? I mean, was it like a step by step, or is it concurrently? Um, do you do you come up with your curriculum first? Because I understand you use this, uh, Howard Gardner's uh theory curriculum, right? And um, do you come up with the curriculum first, and and do you start employing uh your teachers first, and what 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 were your steps, and and what led you to to rent this place eventually? Uh, I think. It was somewhat concurrent. Like I spent mm. about a year uh, doing the whole like the curriculum and the planning and everything. And then uh, renting was kind of because you kind of have to wait to to find a good unit. So yeah, so it was kind of like concurrently like, I was like searching as while I was preparing. Yeah. Mm. So uh, yeah, and I I think for finding finding this unit is kind of like um, quite coincidental like, because when I was uh, looking for a location, uh, I happened to just move house, so I actually moved to the north of Singapore, and uh, just nice like this this uh, industrial area, it just opened up, so uh, they were actually renting out spaces, and and this unit that I rented is quite special because it was actually built as a childcare unit, so okay. I think it's if I'm not wrong, it's the first one ever okay. to be as a childcare unit. Is it yeah, so standalone? Uh. You mean the unit or yeah, is it is it like a standalone um in as part of a building? Uh yes, so it's actually like a a series of like terrace units. So they are individual three story units. 
like right. side by side you know you imagine a terrace house uh, but it's an right. in, in the industrial area and then right. uh this particular unit was built as a childcare, so it actually had all the ura approvals in place already and then they even built an outdoor area for it like with a playground and everything so it was it was really right. built as a childcare. yeah and mm. then uh yeah so it was quite coincidental that when i was almost ready to start and then this unit came up so um yeah and then uh like i went to see and like like that place and i think it just fits all the criteria that I had other than the space was very big <laughs> yeah so uh yeah so I, uh we we actually had to bid for that place because i mean it was built as a childcare unit so there definitely there are other people who wanted that space as well and because of the capacity that you could actually take in for that unit uh i think it's quite popular as well so we had to uh we had to bid for it and uh yeah and then uh when we managed to get it and sign then that's where we like i just had to like it just wrote on like i just had to settle right. everything like the tenancy agreement and then the renovations and everything yeah to get it ready to start up right so um like at, at hindsight right looking at looking back two years um i mean uh backwards so when, mm. when you first um realized that you got the you you, you got the tender right you're awarded the tender Mm. And uh, what were some of the things that um, you were thinking of as as a tenant, as a, as a commercial tenant? Mm, I would say the, I mean, in terms of like how to actually go about it. At that point, it was quite quite blank, lah. <laughs> mm. So I I think like for myself, like my uh my agent is actually uh like quite a close friend, and I think quite luckily she also had experience with uh. Um, actually like renting and, and setting up of a preschooler. So she was able to share with me some of the things that I had to look out for and all that. Yeah, so um, not, like I would say quite quite fortunately that I had her when I was looking out for a unit. And then right. uh, she also helped me to negotiate some of the things that were important because I uh, when she actually uh, uh did did for the previous uh um like her what do you call it client is it <laughs> yeah so when she did yeah. then she actually yeah so she actually um already uh had some of the like mistakes uh, that, yeah so she actually learned from that and she she helped me in that sense so i think quite fortunately like it went out quite smoothly yeah okay. and then uh yeah i think also in terms of the bidding also we are quite lucky that we managed to get it lah right yeah right. if we didn't get that unit i i think we would have gone on a hunt for quite a while as well because it's really quite hard to find a unit that fits that criteria right so you mentioned just now earlier that uh you know there are certain things that your agent have like advised you mm. so maybe you can share with the audience like what are the kind of things that, I, you know, that should look uh, Okay, I would say that uh, like you really have to understand in terms of operations what your business actually needs because uh, like some of the things like if you want to renovate or you want to make uh, like create certain things in the unit, not everything can be done. So uh, like you have to get your agent or um, to find out a bit more on the structural, um, uh, the structure of the building and like whether or not you can put in certain things and what before you rent it. Yeah, and then uh, there are certain requirements like um, uh, according to the business. Uh, so for us, childcare, we do have quite a strict requirements on certain things. So uh, like if um, the like your uh, estate agent is able to advise you like whether or not these things can be done in that that uh, place that you are renting, then that will be quite helpful. Uh, they can help you to negotiate like 
in order to operate this business, my client needs this. So can this be done or not? Uh, so that's very right. helpful. Right. So so what, what were some of the uh, blind spots that you realize as as a as a business owner renting a co- uh, an industrial space? Like, uh, what are some of the key blind spots that you have learned along along the way? Uh, I think one thing is uh definitely in I didn't <laughs> I didn't realize that for industrial units, right? Like the uh especially like when you rent like from a, a industrial park that just opened so basically it's a bare unit lah. so mm. i didn't realize that there's so many pre-work that you have to do before you do your renovation like like mm. your actual renovations yeah so there are things like um like the electrical fire sprinklers, work. Yeah, electrical works the aircon all these and the cost of that is crazy <laughs> yeah so uh yeah right. and uh when you rent from a commercial building that is like an industrial area usually it's quite high ceiling so for us, I think it's almost like five, six meters or something. Yeah. So it's very, very, very high. So mm. uh when yeah, so when you rent such a place, right, you need to factor in this in your budget. Yeah. So you mm. cannot just see the rent cost, but you have to see like the pre-works as well. And it can go up to maybe like hundred or uh tens to hundred K just to do mm. that bit. And if you mm. want to bring down the ceiling, which um it will look you more no, I only did that for the essential parts, uh, but not the entire okay. space. Yeah, but okay. if you want to bring it down, that would set back another few tens of case. Uh, because the pre the sprinkler works uh, was pre-done. So if you want mm. to actually change it or bring it down uh, for the, the lower ceiling, then that will, yeah, that will be cost. additional cost as well. Yeah, so when you are looking out for, uh, like you're not taking over a unit, but you are getting a bare unit, you have to factor mm. in all these costs. And I think as a new business owner, like especially if you haven't done such a large scale renovation, like you only do like your house renovation kind of thing, you wouldn't know the actual cost of such things. Like because yeah. high ceiling, they actually need specific uh, equipments, they need certain machinery and all that. And to bring that in, that is cost as well. And they need special right. people who can operate that. Yeah. So all these are costs that you might not be aware of like, when you when you first rent the the unit. Yeah do, yeah, do you mind sharing with us like roughly what is the range that you spend on the initial works uh, plus renovation and stuff? Mm. How, how long did it take? The whole renovation, uh, uh, renovation took about I think two months plus, about two mm. months plus. Uh, so uh, yeah, the other thing that I didn't know was that the because this is uh, like an industrial park, so like their sprinkler works and their like some of the electrical panels and all that, those are done by a specific contractor. And then if mm. you want to do any changes to it, you actually get have to get back their contractor because of the warranty and everything. So um yeah, and then they actually don't allow you to do like put certain parts or do certain things to it, la, like those things that belong to the the initial uh the building. So yeah. if you want to do renovations for that, you actually have to get their contractor to do it. And then you also have to send in like the, the drawings and to get them approved and everything. So all these will be during the time that your fitting up period is. So if let's say mm. you have six weeks or eight weeks, uh, you have to factor in all this timing into that. So if they delay for two weeks, you cannot begin your renovations until all those are done. Yeah, and right. then you have to check everything because once you do renovation, you actually touch things, right? So when you touch things, then they, yeah, then like the... Uh, if anything happens, then it, they are non-liable in that sense. Uh. So if you mm. want to do any changes or anything, 
you have to get that contractor to do. Yeah, so that I think that's one of the reasons why my renovation took so long. Uh. There was some uh, like difficulty with the sprinkler works as well. Mm, so so they, they went into the six-figure zone like for your reno? Oh, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> six figure, six figure is hundred over thousand. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. If if I think renovation of such a scale, like ten thousand square feet, definitely it will be few mm. hundred case lah. Right, right. And mm. but, but I believe you got a longer lease uh, in the sense. Uh yeah, we got a longer. You mean the fitting out period, right? Um, as in the your entire tenancy period, you got a longer lease running. Mm, three three years plus three years, no? Is that mm. is that considered that long? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, that's, I, that's quite a long. Yeah, yeah. yeah so right. that that's quite okay. So I right. think if you are to like you know um thinking of setting up another center, um, uh-huh. would you then consider you know getting a new bare place or would it be better for you to get you know, a place that's already uh, been fitted and then you just do some yeah. you know, simple modifications? Like, what was your? So will you do this all over again? Like for for your second center. <laughs> <laughs> I think yeah, I, I thought about that. Uh definitely not such a large scale. Uh I think one mm. thing that people, new business owners, like especially those like, you know, you have a startup company or like entirely new business, you might not realize that uh you need actually needs maintenance. So mm. you know when your space is big, right? You actually have to and things for like I think when when contractors do work for residential and commercial area, it's quite different. I, I'm not too sure, but I think in terms of the materials and everything, there is a slight difference. So um <clears throat> within one year plus you can start and plus the way that you run your business, definitely there's more usage compared to at home. Right. So yeah, things, yeah, things start falling apart and when when that happens, like within one year plus. So if right. your space is big, a lot of things need to be maintained. And yeah, so Definitely, I think if I were to to set up another center, it would not be such a big scale, just so that mm. I can manage all these things, lah. Because it eats into your profit as well, lah. All these things, right. so whatever that you maintain, and especially you have kids using this, um, yeah, like it it kind of like makes it very difficult, lah, to maintain such a big space. Hmm. Mm. And and how many how many people do you have in your team now? My team, uh, we have, uh, including me, we have 15 staff. Right. And like, um, as a new business owner, um, how do, how do you manage um, a team of this size? Like, what kind of systems do you use and what kind of um, methodology do you use as a business owner? Mm, I would say hire the right people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I, yeah for, for me, things got better when I got uh, better people in in that sense. Uh. And then mm-hmm. uh, the other thing is, yeah, I think, I mean, as in every business book will tell you, like your communication with your team, uh, I think that's really important. So mm-hmm. like having that, that shared vision and wanting to do this uh, like together, that's, that's very important. And I think quite fortunately for my school, because we are an inclusive preschool. So yeah. for people who actually join the school, most of them kind of signed up for this, uh, like for this vision. Uh, they want the inclusion and they, um, like they have this passion for it. So that mm. makes, like, at least we have like a common ground uh, that we want to work towards. So yeah, so that's quite nice uh, for us. Yeah, so I, I, read, I read a book before um, that says that, uh, you know, sometimes business owners, you, you get like all stressed up and stuff like that, right? Because you have like your overheads and then you need to train your people. And then as your team grow bigger, you need to set 
in place systems and your HR, your your finance and your stuff like that all, all sort of kick in. So I was reading that um uh the the book was saying that if all of us can can look at our team and our staff as volunteers. That means we, we look at them as if they were volunteers and they're they are they are coming in to run the vision with you. Then your 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 perspective will shift. Because uh, if you look at it as volunteers, then it's different. Just like example, how how like um uh, non non uh, profit organizations run sometimes. I mean, although some people do get paid and stuff, but if you look at voluntary organizations, it's like they they come in because they they want to run your shared vision. So yeah, so I mean that book really helped me to change my perspective as well. Because if we look mm -hmm. at our people as a team and then we run together for a common goal, like what you said, then it really mm -hmm. um it, it lightens up the process. It, it makes it more mm -hmm. fun, yeah, and mm -hmm. it's less stressful in a sense, mm -hmm. right? So, um, like, I mean, just like you mentioned about some trainings that you get for your people, right? Like, are they yeah. external training or, or you train them yourself and stuff? Uh, we do both, but more, I would say more internal training because, uh, like, we, we take case studies from actual things that are happening in our center and then... We, because we do have other professionals as well, so we get them to actually provide their inputs on these things so that people can learn from each other like, rather than always learning from like the like a course or learning from like the so-called like other other professional. I think we we everybody has quite a bit of strength also in in this team. So we mm. I, I feel that there's value in learning from each other as well. Uh. Mm. Right. So like um are you are you planning to open up a second one or? Uh, at the moment, <laughs> at the moment, not so. I would say I'm like we are concentrating a lot more on building our team, and then mm. as well as the curriculum and the program. Like we want to make sure that it's something that um, like it's something that will work well. And uh, like I mentioned earlier, like the whole concept of the center is to find out how we can do this in Singapore context. And I think that like back and forth, we do still have improvements that we want to make for our program. So mm. maybe not that um, not that soon. And as well as um, mm. I think there are quite some changes in the early the whole early childhood industry. So it's still yeah. a bit unpredictable as well. Yeah. But what if are, I do it probably changes? sorry? Yeah, what are some of the changes? Uh, I think there's a lot there's a lot more like government coming in. Uh there's a lot more funding for like your big players or that. So it's it can be quite competitive to be like just a, a small center. Yeah. So mm. uh yeah, so for me, I think it's just being very focused on the goal of the center. Yeah, not so much like to create many, many uh centers and then like to make it into a whole like like chain of business, but I think like for us, we we are just very focused on our goal and uh, like making it a quality center. And then if there's the opportunity next time, then we'll look at expanding it. Right, right. So just now, I think you mentioned about um, like you know when you're signing a tenancy agreement and you're mm. glad that you know you have an agent that uh, can help you. So I think like um, you know, are there any advice to the business owner like what are the kind of clauses? That should be in place to protect, mm -hmm. you know, business owner. In, in, in terms mm -hmm. of you know being able to function your business uh, in mm -hmm. future, yeah. In the tenancy agreement, um, I think for us because we actually rented um directly from 
the developer. So, I mean, they are quite experienced in terms of like uh, doing up a tenancy agreement. I would say it's quite generic. Like, mm. uh, like basically the costs are everything that you can think of. Lah. Like don't, like you cannot do this, cannot do that. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, yeah, but then definitely uh, you have to read through very clear, uh, carefully, especially uh, you can read through it together with your agent. And then if you have concerns, like think about the operations of your business and uh, whether certain causes might impact it. So uh, I just give an example, like one of the things, because it's a generic, uh, like very generic uh, TA. So you, um, like one of the causes was you cannot cook inside. And then if you run a childcare business, you cannot not cook, right? Because you have kids to feed. Yeah, yeah. so uh, then you have to negotiate. Lah, like, and then they actually, and like some things you will think that, oh, like not a big deal, but it's better to have it in, in, uh, in return uh, in the TA so that just to protect yourself uh, as a business owner. So other things is like, uh, I think they also have things like you can have pets and all that. And like sometimes, you know, when you run a childcare, you might want to have something like that. So yeah, then you have to ask uh, like, or oh, what happened if it's certain kind. So they will add in a clause that, oh, uh, like certain things is okay, but certain things are not. Yeah. So these are just some additional clauses that you might, one written inside the TA just so that if someone comes in and say hey, you cannot do this it's written in the TA you cannot and then yeah and then you have this other sheet I think it's like an attachment that says oh actually you can with some provisions uh. mm. Mm. so how's the negotiation process like like you know for example uh, just like you mentioned that uh, you cannot cook but like, you want to you want to include that clause inside right so was the mm. negotiation process tough and then you know, was there any like delay um, not really actually i did everything through my agent lah. so i just told her that i have all these concerns and then she was the one who actually negotiated and i think it's better in that sense because you know like the agent with experience they know how to talk to the the like your landlord or the developer so better mm. than you when going to bang the door right <laughs> so mm. yeah and then i think it kind of like um it it's also uh, not as stressful for me lah, because I just have to tell her that, oh, I have all these concerns and then she actually helps me to resolve it with them. Yeah, right. so yeah, so I would say negotiation, like I uh, I didn't really have that much difficulty. Yeah, but yeah. then at some, I think some point where after the whole, that means they actually pass on the keys to you and everything. Um, for me, the difficult part was, and I, I'm not very sure, I, I only just realized it after I have, I started the business that there's actually something called the building management. So I think it's a bit like the condo, you know, you have your condo management and then and you have your yeah. uh, the, the owner of the, the condo, right? So right. there are certain things that fall under condo management. So I think basically the the landlord passes on like these responsibilities to the building management and everything like you have to go through the building management. Yeah, so these are some of the things that may not be stated in your tenancy agreement, but it's like your guideline or policies by your building management. Yeah, so mm. I, I just realized that and then it's like uh at at some point after so the signing everything was like by the land landlord, right? So after that then when you actually operate and we actually like um like you start your renovations and you operate, uh a lot of things fall under the the building management. <laughs> yeah, so I think that mm. my struggle was more with that. Like and mm. when it comes to building management, uh like there's limited things that the agent can do because the agent usually uh negotiates with the landlord not really take the, the building management so unless things escalate like like into something serious then they will uh, they will step in but then after that uh you kind of have to work with your building management lah. so i think mm -hmm. it's helpful to 
to build a good relationship with your building management and then as well as like you must know what are your your rights line in that sense so if mm. as a tenant like you have to know that okay there are certain things that like you have the right to ask for and like yeah some things i think like even though it's on paper like there's certain policies or guidelines and all that but sometimes if you need it for your operations or your business to be able to make yeah. it work i think there is some room for negotiation so yeah ask nicely yeah yeah i think that right. is the the thing that was a bit difficult for me because i like some things like you don't know until like you operate and then you realize that oh cannot then the business man yep. uh, uh building management people will come down and say oh actually you cannot do this <laughs> yeah so that's that's the part that like you, it's not written in the tenancy agreement i mean it's it's not it's detailed but it's not detailed to the extent that it covers every single thing and you wouldn't yep. think of these things until like i i just give very simple uh example like things that you cannot throw in the bin <laughs> like how will you know what you cannot do? yeah so just small little things like that you might not you might not know and then yeah so just yeah just talk to the building management uh. right and so for for this like um our current covid 19 situation right yeah. uh what what do you think uh is the is the you know everybody is saying that you know when we we go back to norm it will actually not be the the norm that we know it will be like a new norm or kind of stuff so naturally a lot of business will, will be changing uh, yeah. or will be evolving so so how does this impact the childcare industry uh what would be some of the changes that you think might happen i mean although uh, we all know that for schools and childcare is all like very very essential uh mm -hmm. to function and and operate but what yeah. are probably some of the the operations that might change or, or things that might change uh I would say, well, I mean, while we are still in this COVID-19 situation, uh, definitely mm. we are worried about the programs and the learning of the children. So mm. like for our school, uh, we like we depend quite a bit on like some of the group, uh, group experiences of the children. So like small little things like even not being able to go into like maybe playgrounds or not being able to go for water play or like we have other enrichment programs as well that now that with this situation they can't actually come into the center to provide services so uh definitely i think like in terms of the kids learning um although there is still learning but um it's definitely slower so uh yeah and i think when it comes to kids uh, the the online thing i mean it like it does have some benefit but it's not ideal like for mm -hmm. kids to be learning from the screen so yeah so i mean one good thing is i i see from my team is we actually build skills to be able to to do this e-learning thing so we actually have zoom sessions with the kids or we have things like storytelling we teach our art and craft everything on online yeah right. so I, I think the teachers actually i mean quite quite impressive like they actually learn like camera skills and all that to do it so yeah plus point i think we can think about how we can do this as a collaborative learning together with our uh the kids parents at home so yeah so uh, that would be like the plus point from this whole covid situation but then i am worried about the kids like how long is it going to be before they can resume to normal like they can have their mm. group activities and all that because even now uh, with the school reopening, there are still a lot of measures. Like example, yeah, they have to wear a mask. Yeah, they cannot shower. Uh, they have to sit like they can't play together as 
the same as before. Yeah, oh, so okay. I, I yeah, so I'm not sure how like even like usually we we used to be able to play like maybe 10 kids in one one area, but now maybe we have to limit to like four, five, six, that kind. So uh I'm I'm not sure in the long term whether this will affect their learning or their development. Yeah, and we don't know how long this situation is going to be. So if it's going to be for like at least the next half a year, then definitely a lot of impact uh, for them. Mm. So, so you guys have been doing like Zoom trainings and all that, Zoom teaching? Yeah, yeah we have. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say not as extensively uh, because it, it can be very stressful for the parents, uh, especially if they are still working from home and then having to attend to this it's quite a commitment, especially like, you know, uh, the parents are already having so, I, I would say uh, a lot of them are having a lot of screen time la, for the children and then you still pull them back to, yeah, and it, it can be very difficult and stressful for the parents. So, yeah, yeah, so we do a lot of video recording so that they can kind of OTOT do it with their kids. Yeah, right. but I think, yeah, and then we also said like, for, yeah, pre-recorded and then we also send like some activities we, uh, like some like worksheets and things for parents who need some more things to do with their kids. Uh. But I think everyone is just hoping that when school reopens, then um, the kids actually can start a bit more normal life in, in the school. Uh. I think at home, it is kind of hard. Even for myself, my, my daughter like is just playing every day. <laughs> so like, yeah, to expect learning, it's, it's quite difficult, uh, especially like if both parents are working. Yeah, that, yeah, even for, for some of our associates, uh, yeah, the first three weeks was extremely difficult. I, I think they, <laughs> a lot of people just couldn't get used, you know, your kids running around and you have to work at the same time and then you have to attend yeah. their HGPR at the same time. Yeah, so yeah, yeah not, not an easy period. But I, th- I think uh, the, the good thing is that the school holidays was brought forward. So mm. yeah, that, that sort of relieved parents a little bit. So like, uh, how, about, how about technology? You know, like, Moving forward, what are your plans for utilizing technology because of this this shifting um, so-called situation? Mm. Other than uh, Zoom, do you have any other kind of tech in place like or plan to have more tech uh, in place? Okay, because we are inclusive, right? So some of our kids with additional needs, we actually try out some of the programs that they can actually do home-based learning at home. Yeah, because mm. now like we actually have to stop all our therapy services, everything. So we are looking at there are some there are actually some like apps that you can actually put up like some of the activities that the kids can do with their parents at home. So we are exploring these for our kids with additional needs. Uh other than that, I, I would say that this whole um like the videos and the zoom thing, it's actually quite a good um opportunity for us to actually bridge with the parents because usually when we do things in school, right, they don't really know what's going on but when we mm. actually send things back uh, you realize that the parents actually can see what the teachers are doing and how the teacher conducts things and they actually get to learn a lot more about the teachers yeah so i i think that uh i mean moving forward we could uh we can we could look at how to use this as a, a video bridging with uh for parents to to participate a bit more in what's happening uh, with the children in school yeah, and I think uh, like like so far, a lot of them have been enjoying like especially like things like songs. Like if you record it, they can actually see the teacher at home. You know, like see a video of the teacher rather than always watching like YouTube. They can watch um storytelling or yeah. So it's I, I think it's it's quite a good uh bridge la, Like 
uh, parent school connection. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So we we yeah. also want to know. We also want to know apart from your business. Hmm. Uh, how how do you view um uh properties like you know for your own residential property? Right? What kind of properties do you like? Uh, or have would... you have you have you had time to think about that, or is mainly on your business, or like? Uh, okay, I, I would say in terms of uh, for my own, uh, um, because when I was younger, I I stayed in like different kinds of property before lah. So like landed condo, and then now I'm back to HDB. So yeah, so I would say the appeal of uh staying like in certain property, if if I were to buy for my own lah, I I don't mm-hmm. think that I really have a like a dream home that I want. But then I think in terms of uh, if let's say I would have some extra money and want to invest in certain things, I yeah, I think that 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 would be good lah. So I I see quite differently lah. So if you purchase for business versus you purchase as an investment, I mean I I rather like I take my profits and I invest rather than I buy something and then I I run my business in it. Yeah. Mm. So. Yeah, so I think something that can look at, but I'm also aware that there's a lot more complications if you are renting to rent. I mean, if you purchase to rent out, that that there can be quite a bit more complications, lah. So, sorry, as, as in being a landlord, so, was just just not you mentioned that uh for your own business you prefer to rent a place yeah. to run your business, mm-hmm. but yeah, uh, on the side if you have spare funds, you would rather become a landlord yourself, buy something and rent out. Mm. I right. I see that I mean there are benefits to it. Uh. Like uh my parents do purchase uh um like units overseas and then they're renting out. So it's a good passive income. Uh mm. yeah, so I think that it, it can be a good way, especially when you get older and then you know like you are looking at retirement, like how do I build some income while like I'm not working as hard. I think that that can be a good avenue. Uh. It's quite it's quite different from like if you were to invest in like stocks or shares or that um you kind of have to consistently like monitor and then like buy stuff. It's still quite some hard work, but I think in terms of if let's say you can get a, a good unit you're renting out monthly, then that that would be some good income. Lah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So so have you have you like um what what do, what do you what do you like usually focus on like is is now your main focus for the next three to five years your business or like what are what are your plans? Mm, yeah, I would say uh I mean the business aspect yes uh how do I build my center and of course uh be able to to run it well uh that that will be primary primary la but I think the other part of it is I'm working a lot on like my self development as well. So mm. uh, things like leadership and like communication skills and all that. So yeah, <laughs> so busy right. in the next. <laughs> yes. So so do, do you have like a a business mastermind group or something that you gather with entrepreneurs on a regular basis mm-hmm. and stuff like that? Not. Or how not how, really. how do you get your learning? <laughs> not really. Uh, uh, how, how do you get? Yeah. Your uh, usually like I read up. I listen to a lot of audiobooks, Read up. Uh, I do have. I mean, there are some groups, lah, but then, uh, I mean, everybody goes into business with a different intention, right? So, yeah. uh, like, you kind of have to take it with a pinch of salt. Lah. Sometimes it does affect you, especially if, you know, like, you are not the, um, how do I say in English? Like, the very uh, hungry. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, if you're not the hungry business owner kind of person, it can get very stressful like, because you, I think as an entrepreneur, the thing is you are not reporting to a boss. So you kind of mm. like, you are your own uh, gauge of yeah, how hard you work in that sense. Yeah. So right. if you com- like you start comparing with what other people are doing and like the way that their business is doing, uh, different feel as well. So if you compare, then you kind of start to get very demoralized and like, yeah. And I, I always believe like when you are not in the right set of mind when you're running a business, especially when you have um, like customers or clients, it, it, uh, they can feel it. Like they can feel that negative vibe and then, yeah, so everything will just go downhill. Uh. So for me, it's uh, like I sometimes do connect, but take it with a pinch of salt uh, in that sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think unfortunately also for my business, um, uh, I would say that in terms of like networking, it's not as like it's it's not as critical compared to if let's say you were to be in maybe like finance or like mm. yourself in property, I would say it's a lot mm. more important that you know people. But right. I think for like this kind of like brick and mortar kind of shop, we are working more on like, okay, how do I build my reputation? How do I build my clientele rather than like, oh, let me know other business owners. So I, th- I think there's benefits to knowing like you kind of like um, can learn from like experiences and all that. But yeah, mm. take care of a pinch of salt. <laughs> Not everything applies. Right. So, so, so um, based on um, your own opinion, um, what do you think are some of the, the businesses that will change um, because of the COVID-19? Mm, actually, I'm I'm quite worried for some of the businesses. So the ones that I know directly affected probably, uh, I, I, I mean, I talk in education industry. I think I'm quite concerned for the enrichment, uh, mm. en- enrichment centers. Uh, yeah, it's like they are close until like you don't know when <laughs> and yeah mm. so i think in terms of uh when they can actually uh operate and and especially for um young kids i i think like parents don't really pay for don't really want to pay for e-learning like to them is oh i have youtube i have other resources and why should i pay continue paying for that so it's like mm. you don't know when you'll earn money ever again so i'm i'm quite worried that they will close down Mm. Uh, the other ones, I guess, uh, like I have friends in maybe like like wedding event planning industries, uh, things like the uh, photog- photography, videography, all this. I think that yeah, like can can be quite stressful uh, for them. I'm mm. yeah, mm. yeah. Like like there is uh, uncertainty involved because of of the way things are going. Mm. And, yeah, and we we at this point now we still don't know when is phase two coming. Mm. Are you are you guys as like very affected by the closure? Yeah, so uh for us uh before the the circuit breaker, um what we have been doing is that all our content are mainly on social media online. Mm -hmm. So like our home tours and our virtual tours and like our 3Ds and stuff like that. So Mm. it's it's already in place. So I would say that uh in that sense it helped um any potential buyers to view our property. Um, mm. in a much easier fashion, right? Yeah. Um, course, that depends. That depends because, uh, for what for whether the property is a resale or new property itself, uh, resale property people still prefer you know to have at least a physical look because mm. this is a huge space. Yeah, so yeah. I would say that a lot of buyers are like pent up now. They are waiting for the circuit breaker to be released, and mm. at this point in time, uh, real estate still fall into the segment whereby 
um, no physical viewings is allowed. So we're, we're still very mm. virtual. Yeah, so mm. I think the most search after keyword in the past two months is virtual viewings for real estate industry. <laughs> yeah, right, so, yeah, so everybody is doing virtual viewings. It's like, uh. you know, on weekends, our guys are like conducting virtual tours on virtual platforms, right? So uh-huh. showing, I mean, we're doing a lot of Zooms and then buyers coming on board. Um, and then we'll, we'll show them the, the house based on the, the floor plan, based on the virtual tours and stuff. Then even sellers, mm-hmm. uh, we're also meeting them virtually. So I'll say that it's, it's, everything is virtual now until um, we are certain that, you know, the authority says that physical viewings are allowed. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. so that's, that's what's happening now. Yeah, so I, I think uh, probably the, the challenge for real estate industry is that, um, especially for resale market, uh, mm-hmm. most buyers at this point, I think, um, although some some buyers do uh, buy properties virtually without seeing them physically, but probably the numbers are not very high. And mm. a lot of people probably in the Asian culture, they still want to at least have a physical look. And so yeah. um, our, our sense is that after the, the circuit breaker is lifted for the real estate industry, I think there will be a couple of months of a pen up uh, because a lot, of, mm. a lot of buyers, they are actually waiting for that to be released because they have sold their place yeah. before the circuit breaker. Mm. So they're waiting for this to be released and then they will, they want to come back and buy their replacement homes. Mm. Yeah. So, so that's that's basically what the backdrop was happening now. Mm. I think quite fortunately you all had this social media in place. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I mean I can imagine people who uh, might not have this platform. I, I do know like estate agent friends, they are, I think their life is like a bit of a standstill now because they can't yeah. actually yeah, so I, I think quite fortunately yeah yeah, and, I, I, yeah but i i think i think everything is changing like it's like instantly for the past two months everybody yeah. now becomes experts in in zoom and, <laughs> and stuff like that right so i think we all need to adapt and, and embrace change yeah mm. so uh george do you have any any questions any other questions for peeling you don't oh, understand yeah, maybe, maybe just one more because uh i think just now peeling was mentioning that you know she rather uh for her own business she would rather rent instead of like buying so mm. I think I do see like you know certain certain like preschool they do own you know landed property. Mm. I don't know whether they own it. So like what's your what's your thoughts? Like what, what would you say that you know you rather rent it because of the cost or mm. you know, you share it out a bit more? Uh I think one thing is uh okay, firstly assuming that you have the amount to rent la, and to rent a place like the size of my unit, uh, we are easily yeah. talking about millions. La. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so I think that, uh, but the other thing is, if I'm just looking at running a business, uh, basically, your profit is revenue uh, minus your expense, right? So, yeah. if rent, if I rent, it's just looking at simply as, okay, this is part of my expense. So, if I make more than my expense, I earn money. Yeah, so, yeah. if you buy, you have a lot more complications. Like, you are actually earning money to pay back to the the, the building. And I think, yeah. And the other thing is, um, I'm not sure if this is normal for most industrial units, but for I, I'm aware that my my this particular unit is actually on a 30-year leasehold. So, mm. it's, yeah. So, like, after 30 years, what happens? So, like, mm. I won't go and put my money in this, something that, like <laughs> for 30 years right and then yeah and i think also it depends like when you purchase a a property you actually look at location as well and usually industrial units are places that like 
I think in terms of value, it's not that high lah. So it doesn't, it just doesn't really make sense lah to be buying a, a, a industrial unit just to run your business. I think you, it's quite hard to recover the the amount. And by the time you recover, then like what what happens to that? As if like it's in a prime location, and then like someone wants my my area very badly, and they want to yeah. So yeah, so I think it doesn't really make sense lah to buy for. Right. business and yeah unless i mean if let's say i'm i'm renting in prime location like sentosa or something maybe and if i have the money i might buy and then if let's say next time i can convert it into something right <laughs> so yeah so i think it depends la, on location mm. is one thing and then the other thing will be whether or not um, you can profit from the business la. so because if you are renting and you are loaning money you're also paying on uh paying off interest so like you're paying for so many things like I don't even know whether you can make money at the end of the day. Right. I, I think I think for your, your business setup as well, there are a lot of regulations and licensing yeah. and, and URA mm. and stuff like that. So I think that, yeah. that adds to the complication plus I think um probably a lot of childcare they also want flexibility, like um mm. if you need to expand. Yeah, you can yeah. change to a bigger place or you can move to a different right. location. Right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, so um Maybe one one final one final question before before we let you go, right? Um, yeah. Uh, this this is something that I thought about. Is like we want to know, like you know, for business owners, um, mm. if let's say um, money is no object to you, if mm. money is no object to you, right? What what will you do? What what will you be doing? Like for the probably the next ten years. Mm. Frankly speaking, I won't run a brick and mortar business. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I yeah, I, I think in and with this COVID situation, you kind of realize that not everything has to like I, I would say that brick and mortar is one of the unless you have very, very deep passion, I would say it's quite a risky thing, lah, especially so because you have your overheads, you have your rent and everything. So I mean if I have a lot of money and I can afford, I will probably take the money and reinvest in something and then I probably will take my passion to doing something else. Because, I mean, for the amount of effort and stress and everything with running such a, a business and, yeah, it, it it can get to you. Lah. If, if money is not a concern, probably I would, I mean, to earn money, I probably would invest in something instead. Mm, all right. Uh, and, and I think this COVID situation has just shown us that, yeah, without this, like, when things are not predictable and you run a brick and mortar shop, then it's really like there's so many things that you can just lose overnight like even mm. yeah so it's yeah i will probably have something less risky in that sense and then something that like you can you can kind of like do what you like but then maybe in a more like not so um so risky way i guess yeah so yeah i mean even if like like doing like what what you guys are doing, like ed, uh, mm. educating online and all that. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe next time. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> all right. So the, the second last question is that if if time were um if you had all the time in the world. Yeah. Yeah. So the first question is is about money, man, because we are always um thinking about um money to do certain things, you know, to expand or to run certain kind of business or follow your passion and stuff. How about time? Like if you had all the time in the world. What would you be doing differently? I mean, from from now. All the time in the world. 
and still have the money, right? <laughs> yeah, you're forever your age, lah. You're forever your age right now. Uh, I think okay. If you are running a business, right? I think one very wise thing is to be able to kind of delegate the things that people can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. I think time is money, lah. So and there are a lot of moments uh, that you cannot buy back. So probably if I have time and I had money, I would train people to be able to mm. do the things that I can, I do. And then maybe like if really it's very, very critical, then I will step in. And then probably I'll spend more time with family, with friends. And yeah, I, I think for the past two years, I haven't really spent much time with them. Yeah, So yeah. I mean, it kind of is no choice, especially like when like things are just running and running and then you kind of have time like uh, deadlines to meet and all that so i i guess yeah if i had the time i would train people to do that so that i yeah i don't have to (laughs) do everything by myself right right the common struggles of a business owner yeah Yeah, small business owner (laughs) (laughs) all right it's great yeah um thank you so much for for coming online with us today on a, yeah, on thanks a for having me. <laughs> yeah, so much. I, I think it's, it's really great to hear from a point of view um, as a business owner, as a tenant of, a, of an industrial space and, and mm. setting up a business two years back and, and a young mm. entrepreneur as well. So it's really great to, to hear from your perspective and I, I believe uh, you, you have created a lot of value for our audience. Right? Yeah. Uh, is there any final thing that you want to say? And, and by the way, um, your, your center is at Gambas area, right? Yes. That, yes. Uh, Woodland Sambawang area. Right. Yeah. So, um, for everyone who wants to know a little bit more about Sale Playhouse, you can visit their website, saleplayhouse.com and uh, get in touch with uh, Pilin and her team. Um, and um, they are running their Playhouse in an inclusive model, uh, whereby mm-hmm. kids with uh, special needs and and normal school going kids are all in the same um learning zone. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. think it's a great initiative by our government since 2017, right? So if you want to know a little bit more, uh, visit our website. And uh, thanks, Feiling. Thank you for, for coming you. on stream with us. Yeah, have right. a great day. Thank you so much. Thanks, Thank you, so you much. too. Okay, bye. Take care. Bye. bye.